Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, today I want to talk about giving thanks, a spiritual practice and a lifestyle. It's both a spiritual practice that the scripture talks about. It's an avenue of transforming grace in our lives But also the Lord wants it to be a lifestyle, a second nature to us. We call that unconscious competence, where it's just a part of who we are without thinking about it. And Lord, we've had an amazing service so far. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the awareness of of your love, of who you are. Lord, our hearts are brimming with thanksgiving today. We're overflowing with gratitude because of you. Lord, I pray that... um, that all across this city and all across this nation and even this world, that there would be an awakening of the reality of who you are and hearts would be stirred to give thanks, to appreciate you. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for we grumble and complain. And Lord, we ask you to touch us in such a way and open our eyes and give us new skills to practice, Lord, so that we can be the people of gratitude, the people who honor you with our thanks. And Lord, again, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us and choosing us and calling us and for being with us. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to read some verses and process them together with you this morning. So one verse, I'm actually going to read from three different translations. So you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. I'm going to read it in three passages. And by the way, let me just remind you that I put my notes are online for you. As a matter of fact, I've got uh, as an addendum a prayer or a teaching from Billy Graham from several years ago, powerful teaching about Thanksgiving. And then as uh, some of you are parents of children and young children, there's a resource, a link on in my notes to familylife.com that also is a a guide for Thanksgiving, helping you to teach your children in this season and to engender Thanksgiving in their lives. So if I forget, I wanted you to know those resources are there for you. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's the NIV, the message translation. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you. That's the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. In other words, it's a lifestyle. And then from the New American Standard, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So the Lord gives us these short phrases to actually get it into our memory, as it were, to help it to be a part of who we are. As we imbibe these scriptures, they become a part of our nature. So give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what happens, give thanks to God. And in everything, Give thanks. And now turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I want to look at verses 3 to 12, and I'm going to read from the message. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgivings. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ. 
our Jesus, and the love you continuously extend to all Christians. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack, tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taut by hope. The message is as true among you today as when you first heard it. It doesn't diminish and it doesn't weaken over time. It's the same all over the world. The message bears fruit and gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. From the very first day you heard and recognized the truth of what God is doing, you've been hungry for more. It's, a vig- it's, it's as vigorous in you now as when you learned it from our friend and close associate, Epaphras. He is one reliable worker for Christ. I could always depend on him. He's the one who told us how thoroughly love had been worked into your lives by the Holy Spirit. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the Master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more of how God works, you'll learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 to 12. Can you feel the testimony? Paul lived a life of gratitude. In his uh, epistles, he begins many of them with talking about how grateful he is and how he gives thanks for the people whom he's sharing with and whom he's writing to, or he's giving thanks to God for what God is doing and the work that he's doing. And here he says that he wants to see people responding so in partnership with the Lord that, that they have this endurance that overcomes the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in what's bright and beautiful that he has for us. Man, doesn't that just energize you? He's thinking, man, I want to endure the unendurable. I want to I wanna so overcome it that I'm just full of joy. I'm just oozing joy and, and I'm not claiming happiness in my circumstances, but I know the source of my unending joy and my unending strength. And I've met him, and he's Jesus, and he pours that in and through my life. This week, we get to celebrate in our country Thanksgiving holidays. And it's a little bit different than in past years because of COVID. Still, this federal holiday is an opportunity to enjoy family Feasting and football, maybe not in that order, but that's important. And giving thanks is so much more than a holiday on our calendar. Giving thanks is meant to be a spiritual practice, and it's meant to be a lifestyle. Giving thanks is an important spiritual practice in which we acknowledge that God is the giver of all good things in our lives. Giving thanks helps us to grow in awareness of what our God is doing in us and through us and around us. The discipline of giving thanks can involve other spiritual practices 
like reflection, worship, community, celebration, and prayer, just to name a few. This morning, we've actually engaged in a number of spiritual practices together as we were expressing our thanks in the midst of our service time. Giving thanks goes beyond a spiritual practice. In the word of God, we're invited, we're actually even commanded to make, to actually choose thanksgiving as a lifestyle. Thanksgiving is meant to become second nature to us. In other words, we seek to become unconsciously competent in giving thanks. We want thanksgiving to become second nature, a part of our lifestyle. And gratitude is actually expressed all throughout the Scripture. If you look up the phrase in your concordance or online and you type in the phrase, give thanks, you will discover that giving thanks is a major theme throughout the Word of God. I was reading one commentary and it talked about thanksgiving as the act of offering thanks or being thankful usually to God. Thanksgiving is often connected to the provision the deliverance, or to God's character. It's commonly associated in Scripture even with meals and with worship. One commentator says that thanksgiving is a characteristic of the entire Christian life. Christians are to thank God for creating and sustaining this world and for His ongoing redemption of it through Jesus. They are expected to pray to God privately and thank Him for what He has done. The Psalms display individual prayers of thanks, The New Testament includes individual thanks for fellow believers, like in Philemon chapter 1, verse 4. Thanklessness is regarded as rejection of God, which leads to further sin and eventual judgment, Romans 1, 21. Ultimately, Christians are to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, Colossians 3, 17 says. So from this perspective... All of an individual's life in Christ, whether worship or at meals or otherwise, it becomes an opportunity to offer thanks. Now think about Jesus and his lifestyle. He lived a life of thanksgiving. The New Testament records Jesus offering thanksgiving to God on many occasions. For example, when reflecting upon the division between those who accepted him and those who rejected him, Jesus gave thanks to God for hiding his plan from the wise and revealing them instead to little children. Also, before raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus thanks God for hearing him. The most notable accounts of Jesus giving thanks are during his feeding miracles and even his last supper. So think about that. Jesus, he incarnated, he embodied a life of thanksgiving, and that's just a part of his nature. And that same Jesus lives in you and me through the spirit of Christ. And he knows how to acknowledge to God thanks and recognize what to be grateful for. So think about the impact. Think about the impact and the influence of giving thanks. Think about the impact and the influence on our lives, on the lives of others, by giving thanks. On the one hand, being around somebody that's thankful and they're grateful is contagious. If you're around somebody that has an attitude of thanks and gratitude, that is contagious. Hearing someone give thanks can provoke others toward love and good deeds. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encourage one or more 
uh, encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to provoke one another, or stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. And so if you're a thankful person, you actually can stimulate others to start being thankful, to start expressing gratitude to the Lord. On the other hand, grumbling opens the door to judgment. Grumbling and complaining are infectious. So gratitude and thanksgiving are contagious, and grumbling and complaining are infectious. And I don't think we recognize, I don't think we recognize how how hurtful grumbling and complaining can be in our lives. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse uh, 26, and we're going to read a few verses together. Normally, I don't read this much content, but this is, they've come, the people of God have been rescued out of Egypt, out of bondage to Pharaoh. They've made their way to the promised land. They've sent 12 spies into this land that God says, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. I've given you this land. We're going to go in and take this land And I want you to see what the scripture says about grumbling and complaining. Sometimes we just we just don't pay attention to the to the disparity, to the destructive forces that the scripture points out for us. So I'm going to read this so you can just get a full impact rather than just doing just telling you the story myself. So verse 26, Numbers 13. They came Now, these are the, the spies that went into the land. They're coming back and bringing their report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are fortified and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. But the other men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed as grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So the spies have gone in and Joshua and Caleb, they saw one thing. They saw the fruit of the land. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the inhabitants of the land, but they saw a big God. Amen. The other 10 spies went in the land and they said, we are as grasshoppers in their eyes. In other words, their perspective was not in relationship to who God was. And the Bible says they actually gave a bad report. Now, It goes from bad to worse. The next chapter, that night, all the people, the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? 
Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us just to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and we should go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephthah, were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through, the land we explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of that land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I'll make of you a great nation stronger than they. And then Moses said, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them and they'll tell the inheritance, the inhabitants of the land about it. They have already heard about you, Lord. And these are the people that you, O Lord, have been have seen face to face that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put these people to death all at once, then the nations who have heard this report about you will say, well, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the desert. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive these people, the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them just as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of these people who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to give them. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the sea. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard their complaints and their grumbling. And then the passage goes on to tell that it took, it cost them 40 years and not one of that generation entered into the land. And we're going, is grumbling and complaining really that serious? Is grumbling and complaining, is it, is it that bad? Does it surprise you? that it cost the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness because they made a choice? They had a choice to make, right? 
and they chose, rather than thanksgiving and obedience and risk, they chose complaining and grumbling. God is clearly not pleased with grumbling. It doesn't make him happy to hear his children complain constantly. Does that sound like anyone to you? Have y'all had children that whined or complained? Uh, It kind of gets in your ears, doesn't it? We as parents don't like that. Neither does God. Being grateful is a choice. It's not a feeling which is dependent upon our circumstances. We can see that clearly in the lives of the pilgrims, the people who came and landed in the 1600s in this land in the midst of harsh desperate situations, when they finally had a chance, they gave thanks. They actually set aside time to take of what they had and that bounty and to celebrate the Lord because he had had been with them and they had suffered greatly, but they chose rather than complaining and grumbling to give the Lord thanks. The pilgrims responded to the circumstances of their lives with a perspective that said, God has allowed this for our good. Grumbling and complaining open the door to judgment. Grumbling and complaining are infectious. But God has shown us a better way. Intentionally embracing the spiritual practice of giving God thanks is a skill that God uses to transform our lives and to open a door of more blessing to our lives. So there's a choice. Which one do I want? Well, I'm going to take door number one because It leads to blessing and personal transformation in my life. So I want to talk about some principles of this spiritual practice. And I'm hoping that whether you're online or in this room, that we'll develop new skills, new capacities to live in gratitude with the Lord. Giving thanks, number one, nurtures us in an awareness of God and what he's doing around us. Giving thanks nurtures us in an awareness of God and what he's doing around us. Jesus said in John 3, 3, that those who are born again can see the kingdom of God. We're invited to live in awareness, to see what is unseen, to commune with him who is invisible, to know the one who is spirit. We can live a life of awareness of God who is with us, and we can live a life aware of what he's doing around us. The scripture says in Psalm 107, verse 43, Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. To consider is an invitation to be aware. God wants us to live with awareness of who he is and what he's doing in us, through us, and around us. In Psalm 107, the people needed direction, deliverance. They needed healing and provision. Awareness is cultivated in the context of, of what is repeated throughout this psalm, it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for his people. So you can actually cultivate the capacity to grow in awareness of God as you practice thanksgiving and give that thanks to God. Again, we read from 1 Thessalonians that we're actually to give thanks in everything, in all circumstances. I'm gonna just share personally It's been a challenging month for me and my family. On the the first Wednesday of the month, Tammy and I had gone to dinner, and then we were taking something to our daughter April at her house. Tammy had something that she needed to deliver, and so I'm a taxi driver, and I did what I was told. And we're driving down Highway 529, and then we look as we're getting near to their subdivision, 
and the traffic's bunched up. It's really bad. It's about seven o'clock and there's an accident in front of us. And so we're pulling up and we see four cars in a pileup there in the left-hand lane. Well, I'm trying to negotiate, uh, you know, 529 is a pretty busy place and I'm trying to negotiate everybody trying to get in my lane while I'm trying to move over. And then Tammy just made the thought as we're driving past these four cars that are smashed up. She says, I hope that's not involving April or Travis because um, they were coming home about this time of day. I, I didn't have a chance to look. I just kind of glanced at the first car, which was just uh, it had run into these other four cars and made a mess. And then the last car was a bigger car. I just, I couldn't see. It was just one mash to me. And so Tammy picks up her cell phone, calls my daughter and says, hey, April, we're driving to your house and we're just wondering, are you about there or whatever? And she said, mom, I'm in an accident. And we said, right across from Langham. And she said, yep, that's the accident that I'm involved in. And you know, we had an opportunity to complain, to get upset. But what we did was we just began to pray and we actually became aware of Thanksgiving just bubbling up in our hearts. Travis, her husband, was just three minutes away and he was already on the scene. And we're right there and we can see and we're talking to her and she's safe. There's a policeman there who's uh, working the traffic scene and there's actually gonna be someone that's found to be at fault and my daughter was not that person. And that's gonna be helpful later on when one of the people involved in the accident make a phone call and say, I've retained a lawyer and I'm suing you because you hit me. No, that's not what the policeman said. So we're giving thanks that it was handled. There's things to give thanks for. Now, did we give thanks to God for the accident? No. Did we give thanks to God for the traffic jam? Not on your life. Did we give thanks for, you know, what we gave thanks for was that people were protected, everybody was safe, the Lord was watching out, he had divine appointments, there were things to, it just came naturally to us to just give the Lord thanks, and, 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 and then we were able to help them to get in the process of getting things taken care of with their car. That would be an illustration, Right? And then last night, it was a really long night as we get a phone call and we a text and we're finding out that, that April's ill and she has an attack of appendicitis. But you know, I'm just thankful that there are doctors and that there are people and that God works and that our God's a healer. He's watching over her. He's with her. I can't be in there because of COVID rules, but my wife could get in there. We had a friend that got her in and her husband couldn't be there. And so... God's just working things out. I'm not glad that she's in surgery right now, but I'm really glad that my father is in charge and he's working. And so I'll, you'll never hear me say, thank you for that flat tire, oh God. You'll never hear me say, thank you for this traffic jam on 290. But I'll try to look for things to be grateful for because it, it's actually, I've been around people that it's just, it just kind of bubbles up in me. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. I want to believe the best. I want to find the good. It takes no skill to find the problems and to find the things to complain about, right? Now, I'm not perfect, uh, this COVID thing has tested me in some of my complaint department. 
And so my wife has reminded me that I'm not showing up the way I want to, but it's an opportunity to grow. I shared with y'all last week, the Lord was talking to me about patience. And I thought I was doing pretty good in patience until a friend reminded me from the Greek language that patience means long suffering. I don't like to suffer long. And so I don't, there's some things that we're going through as a culture that I'm not excited about. But you know, I'm grateful that the Lord spoke to me. I'm glad, grateful that the Lord used a prayer time and used a word. And he said, hey, I don't want you to live like this anymore. I wanna, I wanna help you. You need help, Jeff. And so, you know, that's, that's good, right? Calvary, God wants us to live in gratitude. If you're online, he wants to help us live a life of giving thanks, not some superficial thing, not some fake thing, but a real expression of I know my God and I trust him and he's always good and I, I can hold on to him because he's holding on to me. Amen. Then number two, giving thanks makes room in our lives for God. Some of y'all just got it. A shudder just went down your back when I said point two, and it took so long with that illustration. The others are not as long, okay? That was just, I wanted to get my personal story in there. Giving thanks makes room in our lives for God. And the scripture says in Ephesians chapter three, beginning of verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Skip into verse 20. And this is in the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity, amen. God makes room in our lives, giving thanks makes room for God in our lives, so the Holy Spirit, you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he cars out more room in your life for God to dwell there, and how do you know that that's happening? Because you just begin to overflow with thanks. You begin to recognize he's going farther than my dreams, my wildest imaginations. He's hitting home run after home run. That's who my God is. So giving thanks makes room in our lives for God. Listen to Psalm 105, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. Giving Giving thanks makes room for God in our hearts and in our lives. It carves out room for God. Number three, giving thanks changes our perspective. Changes our perspective or a word that's been used around here. It helps us to reframe, to reframe what we understand. In Philippians chapter four, turn your Bibles there. Philippians four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or heard or received from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So if you give thanks to God, it will change your perspective. It will move you from a place of being anxious and fearful and it it will conquer that fear in your life as you just say, hey, I'm gonna turn my concerns into prayer and into praise and into thanks. I'm gonna go to God with my anxieties rather than stewing in them or focusing in them. And as you do that, it'll reframe, it'll give you a new perspective and it'll change you because the God of peace, the God of wholeness, the God of well-being will flood your mind and flood your lives. Number four, giving thanks expresses faith in our God. Psalm 107, verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Or the message translation says in Psalm 136, God never quits. Aren't you glad that God's not a quitter? God never quits because we know and believe that God is good and full of loving kindness. We give him thanks. Number five, giving thanks is a weapon against resentment, bitterness, and deception. It's a weapon against resentment, bitterness, and deception. Without being thankful, we're unaware of God and we're unaware of what he's doing. We're prone to focus on what is broken, needy, or falls short of our expectations. In a culture that focuses on its rights, on injustice, on brokenness, on who is to blame, on what is wrong, we have the chance to shine like a lighthouse beacon, piercing the darkness and the fog with the light of Christ Jesus. Our culture dwells on injustice, on being victims, on not getting our way. With a wrong perception, we're easily deceived, blinded to the goodness, grace, and mercy which God is showering down on us. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. In the Psalms, many times the scriptures begin with a lament or a cry or a list of issues that the psalmist is frustrated with. He makes a list of what God is, but the psalmist, as he cries out to God, he actually gains a new perspective. He makes a list of what God has done and promised and then he's lifted out of his pit because he sees life from God's point of view. Again, Philippians chapter four, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to the message translation of that passage. Don't fret. Don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for good will begin to settle on you and settle you down. It's wonderful when that happens, when Christ displaces worry from the center of your life. 
Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and by meditating on that which is true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So giving thanks is a weapon against resentment, bitterness, and deception. Number six, giving thanks honors God. This is a passage that the Lord gave me years ago, Psalm 50. And Psalm 50 is actually a judgment passage. Listen to Psalm 50, verse 14. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and I will, honor, I will deliver you and you will honor me. Verse 22, consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Giving thanks honors God, and he says, how do you forget me? How do you move out from under my blessing and you come under judgment? You do it when you exhibit an in, uh, ingratitude, when you forget to give me thanks. But if you'll thank me, it'll do two things. You'll honor me and you'll open the way for me to do more in your life. Listen, I want to live a life of thanksgiving because God says it honors him. And then I want this door. I want a highway of blessing into my life. I want to open up the door, not for judgment, but for God to move and to work his salvation and his goodness in my life. And so that's number seven, giving thanks prepares the way for God to do even more in our lives. Like John the Baptist, we are called to be forerunners, those who prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So when we give thanks, we become a door, a way for the King of glory to step down and to step into our lives and into our circumstances. So I want to close with this final passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. Turn there in your Bibles. I want you to read this with me. What we're trying to do is we're trying to talk about God wants us to have a practice. He wants us to get involved in the spiritual practice of giving thanks, and he wants us to move beyond that to where it becomes a lifestyle because giving thanks is a right relationship with him, and it opens the door for so much good and grace in our lives it's transformational in our lives. In contrast, complaining and grumbling are destructive for our lives. Now, giving thanks gets us into a cycle or flow of blessing from God, through God, and to God. So this passage is going to paint a picture of what God is doing. And as we get in on that, you'll see this flow, and you'll see the flow being completed through thanksgiving. So let's read starting in verse six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound for every good work. As it is written, he has scattered gifts abroad to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food 
will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you're performing will not only supply the needs of God's people, it will also overflow with many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, people will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of his surpassing grace that God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So it starts out, he's speaking to the people. He said, man, I've given you seed. I've given you resources. I've given you capacities, not just thinking about money, but capacities to love, to forgive, to bless, to serve. We are a blessed people. And he says, I've given you all that. So as you sow it generously, as you express it generously, it's going to impact other people's lives and it's going to result in them giving thanksgiving to me and thanksgiving for you. And then it's going to come all the way around and I'm going to get all the credit and then I'm going to keep that flow going. Don't you want to be in that flow? I want to be in that flow. I love that. I don't want to turn the spigot off. So I want to be generous. I want to, and I want to be generous with my time, energy, resources. I want to live a life of gratitude that that acknowledges everything I have comes from God. It's accomplished by God and it ends up going back to him. And he's the one that gets all the credit and the honor. And I get the joy of being a part of what he's doing. So practice giving thanks. This week, I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to practice giving thanks. So number one, take time to write down and to remember as many things for which you are thankful as you can, then take time to pray and give thanks to God. So one of the best ways to do the spiritual practice of thanksgiving, uh, some people use a pen, some people use an iPad, some people use their phone, or you can even use a voice recorder, but make a list. Make a list and make it a long list. Like one of the stories I read, the challenge given to one person was make a list of a thousand things that you're grateful for. That's a challenge, huh? But make a list, take time to remember and write them down, and then take time to thank God and bless him. Number two, practice giving thanks at least once a day in writing, in prayer, and or in conversation with others. So this week, just try at least once a day to practice giving thanks either in writing, in prayer, or in conversation just do that and give it a shot and see what happens with your week and with this season. Especially it's easy at Thanksgiving, you've got a good excuse to do it. Then number three, reflect with yourself and others as you practice Thanksgiving. What are you learning? What challenge or challenges are you facing? What transformation is taking place in your life because of giving thanks? Listen to this story of transformation. This is in my family's gratitude plan by familylife.com. Recently, I read a book entitled 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. A mother of six, Ann found herself transformed by a challenge to list 1,000 things for which she's thankful. So I pulled out my spiral notebook and I started writing my own list. Here's what I didn't anticipate. 
Combing the day for the things that I'm thankful for is replacing my old way of seeing my world. It turns my eyes from all the things that aren't going my way or even from the discouragement of legitimate problems and needs and turning my attention onto the gifts God keeps piling up in my life, just dumping them in stacks and stacks and stacks into my life. In essence, it helps me to choose joy. Refusing to complain is a good discipline for my mouth. But to transform my heart, God actually replaced my complaining by helping me to see his goodness and to worship him for it. Isn't that a great testimony? That's the power of this spiritual practice where it moves from being just an activity where it becomes a lifestyle and it becomes an agent a tool that God uses to transform our lives. So giving thanks is so much more than a holiday on our calendar. Giving thanks is meant to be a spiritual practice and a lifestyle for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray you'll jump into that river this week, this week of Thanksgiving. And I pray that for you online too. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.